The reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, and beginning at verse 36. Jesus told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it onto an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new. For he says, the old is better. Dave's going to come speak to us. I'll pray for him before he does and for us. Father, thank you for David. Thank you for his willingness to speak, his willingness to listen, his willingness to serve. Father, I pray for him and for us now that we would clearly hear and understand and act on the words you have for us this morning. Amen. Uh, story to start off with. I was listening to um, an eminent Australian professor the other day and uh, he was talking about uh, preaching and sermons and things like that. And he said, ladies, I want you to imagine that you are preparing one of the nicest and best buffets that you've ever prepared. So, so if you can imagine that buffet as you... As you uh, can see it and then I want you to invite all your friends to come in to your house to see the buffet not to eat it but to see it that is just what a sermon is like it's like a buffet which we're not allowed to eat because if we want to eat we've got to do it ourselves and so everything that comes out in a sermon, it's important for us to act upon it and read things through. Anyway, I put up there chicken and chips in a basket. Many, many years ago, seems thousands of years ago now, I was a curate up in Carlisle and I had the responsibility of a youth group. Uh, and it was quite a big youth group. And then before that I'd been uh, in, in my church in London. I'd also been the leader of a, church, uh, of a youth group. And from that moment on, we had decided as a, a family that we wouldn't have alcohol of any form in the house. And then we moved to Bootle and we went across to Langochlin and you all recognise that photograph, I'm sure, of the Bridge End pub in Langochlin. And there was this sign outside, you can tell how long ago it was, chicken and chips in a basket, twenty five. And we thought, oh, good, we can get a cheap meal. So we wandered into this pub and that's where the problem started. 
because we hadn't got a clue what to do. Not a clue. We didn't know what to do, where to go, how to order, what... Someone, I was sharing this with someone the other day, said, well, what you should have done is gone back outside again and prayed that you'd know what to do. But we didn't. <laughs> but we eventually found out what to do. We got our chicken and chips in a basket. But I just want you to put your mind, and this is for all those on the welcome team, everything like that, what it's like for a stranger to walk into this place. We haven't got a clue sometimes when we walk in. But anyway, that's just chicken and chips in a basket. I want to uh, think in terms of, because we're talking about this, aren't we? It should move on. Yes, it is. Redesigning the church. Now, that's the picture about what a church looks like. So, redesigning a church, so we've got to take hold of that, and we've got to really, you know, throw it about a place, throw it up in the air, and come up with a new design for a church. But I want to ask you a question. Do you remember a few years ago, we all walked into this building, and everything, but everything, was altered. The table was in the middle, the chairs were all around. Do you remember that when we came in like that? And do you know what? I walked in, and I thought... I'm not stopping because the change was too great for me to cope with at that moment of time. And we're looking at the thing about the path to change. But there's also another story I'd like to tell you. It's about a vicar who was very wise and he wanted to move his piano from there to there. And there was an outcry in the church. No, we're not going to have our piano moved. So what did the vicar do? Very cleverly, he moved it a foot every week. <laughs> Yours is a lightweight, so you're all right. <laughs> no, but he did, and, and, and that's what happened. Anyway, flexible planning, because this is what we need to have in our mind. We need to have minds that are open and flexible. I had a curate once, his name was Simon Besant. He went on from me to be a, um, a curate in Blackburn. He went on to be a vicar in Blackburn. He then became the diocesan director of mission. So he was quite a clever cookie. But he said, I re we really ought to have flexible planning. So he used to say to him, what is flexible planning? He said, it's flexible planning. I still didn't know what he meant, but we still got, we, we, we managed to live with him. The, the story, uh, although we've had read, Margaret read to us just now, about the wineskins. It, it, what it was is that the Pharisees were on Jesus' back, trying to really uh, get at him for everything he did and said. And they were jumping on him, everything he, he went, and he, he had it up to the hilt with the Pharisees. Because they were getting right, to put it bluntly, they were getting up his nose. But this is, this is a thought which came from Mark Twain which I think is a beaut. I'll read it. Having spent a lot of time with religious people, I understand why Jesus preferred to spend time with tax collectors and sinners. The old versus the new wineskins. The old wineskins are old leather and they, they crack very easily. And those of you who uh, know anything about 
leather will know that it, it, if it's left to dry out, it becomes awful. It really does. And those of you who served time in the forces will know the best way of getting a pair of boots up, you take, take, take me if I'm wrong, Pete, uh, is to make sure that they're well-oiled, well-dubbed, so that they can be flexible and what have you say, they're nice, comfortable pair of boots to wear. It's the same with wineskins. If you put new wine into an old wineskin, it would just crack it and it would burst. Because new wine is bubbly, it's fizzy, it's got lots of life in it. And you put it in an old wineskin and it just blows apart. You can't do it. But then they say, old wine is good. Someone the other day at our prayer meeting turned around and gave us a great long exposition of why old wine is good because you can't have old wine unless you have new wine first. So the new wine comes in and you've got the old wine eventually. But old wine is good. So I want you to hold on to that as we move now. That's me having to get a new suit. Let me read this inscription underneath. Neither a new body, neither is a new body put into an old suit. If it is, the pants split, the neck choked, but if the new body is put into a new tailored suit, then both are preserved. Right? It fits. This is a quote from Gerald Coates, who's a worship leader and a church leader, who said, God will not be tied down to 17th century language, 18th century songs, 19th century morality and 20th century jargon. jargon. And he also said we could add and 21st century technology. The number of times I've pressed the button on this and it's not worked, it's amazing. Question to ask ourselves. Are we more comfortable with the old than the new? I think it was Oliver Cromwell who said, my son, learn a little history. It's important that we know what went on in the past, what happened in the past. It's so important for us to know that. And never, put, never diminish what has taken place. But make sure that we are comfortable with what we are, rather than what we think we ought to be. The problem with the church, not our church, the church in general, I'm going to quote two great men now. William Barclay, who was a great commentator early in the last century, said, There is in religious people a passion for the old, and nothing moves more slowly than the church. Which is true. And then another man we all know, he wrote this about 40 or 50 years ago, and uh, he said this, The Church of England is like a slow, ponderous mass moving slowly forward. Tim said he's impatient moving the piano across the, the thing. It's true, but the church moves very, very slowly. We, when we lived in Bootle, uh, we lived on a main road, and that main road eventually went into the main road that went from the M50, whatever, 57, down to the docks. And at the junction, there was this roundabout. And it was a real pain of a roundabout. It was like Do Dobby's roundabout, only worse. Uh, and, and we really sort of, um, you know, we took our life in our hands every time we went down to that roundabout. And at some time, the planners decided that they were going to change it 
into a traffic with traffic light control, not like the one they've got down at Dobby's, but a traffic light with filters and all the rest of it. it was up, and we thought, this is going to be an absolute chaos. And throughout the period of its construction, there wasn't a slight disruption. It was absolutely fantastic. We said, but how do they manage that? And we realised that someone in an office in Sefton or somewhere had sat down and worked out exactly what nut and bolt to put where so that it could be a smooth transition from that roundabout to a smooth moving path. And not one, we weren't delayed in any shape or form. Change without pain. That's what it was. And that's what we're looking for. So there is a need now in a few weeks, how long is it, Tim, before it comes out? A couple of weeks? The vision map. Later in the spring. When it comes out, look at it. Read it. And try to understand it and say, what's my part in this? Because this is where men and women under God have got together to see what is the vision, what's the future for us as a church. Read it very carefully so that the transition can be smooth. So the transition can be complete. There's a wonderful chorus we used to sing, we've sung for many, many years. And it's sort of, it's sort of, it's a nice one. It's not twee, it's nice. It was written in 1935. And it's that one, Spirit of the Living God, for do we know it? Well, I've, I've changed some words. I wonder if we can sing these words, Simon. I want you to hold those words as you look at this next piece. Dean Edward Painty, who was the Dean of Liverpool Cathedral, wrote a book called Open the Doors. And he said, and I can't remember the quote exactly, so I've paraphrased it. Some of our hymns are so beautiful and rousing, if our congregations believe them, there will be no problem in church growth. Now think and pray over what you've just sung. The Spirit of the living God fall afresh on our church. Spirit of the living God fall afresh on our church. Break us, melt us, mold us, fill us. Spirit of the living God fall afresh on our church. Only God knows where he's going to take us now if we meant those words. Our worship services. All worship services are contemporary to some generation, but most are contemporary to an era other than today. That came from a guy named, I can't remember his name, George Hunter. And when you think about it, we all love a certain type of worship. You know, there, there's the old book, the common book of, book of common prayer. We forgot what it was called then. 1662. You've got the alternative services. You've got all sorts of services that came out with the common worship book. And it's amazing. And the stuff that Tim writes is incredible. But when you think about it, all worship is contemporary to one generation. But they're usually for another era other than ours. What we like is not what we get sometimes. 
I want to tell you the story of this church. When I was converted in 1954, this is the church in which I went to worship. It was Wooden Methodist Church in Bedfordshire. Bedford is associated with John Bunyan, etc., etc. And he, he did pop into Wooden from time to time, I do know that. But this church now has a history. It was by the, the district had decided that it was going to close because the numbers in the congregation had just gone down and down and down. The, the, the last count that I know of, the last service I went there, there were five people in the congregation and they were all over 80. They decided that they were going to make sure that their church building did not close. Uh, the lesson you learn here is never, never pick a fight with octogenarians. <laughs> because it's so important that they wanted their church to remain open because they worshipped there. They prayed and they gave and they prayed and they gave and um, they saved the church building. But what happened? A group of young people, I mean young, they, they, we're talking about octogenarians, young, under 50 is, is a young person, but they were, young people came into the church and new life came in. Some of the oldies were a little bit offended by this because it was a bit too sprightly for their arthritic knees, but two or three stuck it and stayed on. One of them just happened to be my mum. <laughs> and I didn't know this until just oh, a couple of years ago, until that she actually gave the money for a whole set of new sanctuary furniture. Now, th those of you who know anything about sanctuary furniture know it costs a bob or two. And she gave it. But this new life came into the church and then my mum died and we went to the funeral and the church was full because she was well respected in the village apart from anything else. And then a few months later I had a phone call from the leader of the church and he said, do you mind if we get rid of the sanctuary furniture which your mother gave? I said, yes, and, but why? And he said, well, because it's in the way for what we're doing. I couldn't help but say yes, because I knew what he was doing. Because I knew that the Spirit of God was falling on that church, that congregation. Those old ladies had prayed in a new generation of new life, of new wine. They put putting it into the old wineskin in one sense, but they were freshening up the old wineskin and they wanted it to be a place of worship. It's now called Wooden New Life Church. And it is packed every week. Simply because there is life. And they, they, this is their, it's part of their mission statement. We want to know God better, to love others more, and to share with others the good news of Jesus. We do this through Bible reading, prayer, etc., etc., etc. They do it that way. New life had come in.
think I wanted to make a point there. There's a need for us to be risk takers when we're thinking of change. Um, in two or three weeks time, I'm not quite sure which it is now, uh, we've got a sermon called Outside the Box. New ways of doing church. <gasps> you know, Steve said, <laughs> you know, he said, you know, some of us are in trepidation. Yes, we are. But if God's with us, and his God is showing us the way, just think of it. There are some things that can never change, though. These are new, new wineskins, but... Flexible in our methods, and to be conservative in our theology, and yet progressive in our methodology, the way we do things. Messy church, for instance. You know, if you've ever been here on a Wednesday night when that's on, boy... It's fun. It's murder and it's fun. It really is. I've never worked so hard in my life and that was all through my life. Chasing tables up and down and chairs and putting things out, washing up. You know, it's incredible. And then all the while, there's a new congregation being built up. A wonderful new congregation from that age to that age. Because you don't only get the littly ones, you get the grandmums and granddads in as well as mums and dads. And we get to know them. It's a very powerful vehicle. But the, ch- the, but the message is just the same. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died that we might know God. The message is the same. Never changes. It's just the way we do things are different. So what are the new wineskins? Flexible in our traditions. You know, some traditions are super. Uh, it was always, you know, Kate and I were having a chuckle this morning in the vestry because we both put black shirts on for some unknown reason. Well, I, well, I put mine on because it was, it's a tradition for a vicar to wear a black shirt. Some vicars to wear black shirts. <laughs> and and I'm, I, the reason that I, I, I put it on was be, because it was to make the illustration that... When I was in Ibiza, we used to wear blue shirts, red shirts, all sorts of things. And one day I walked into church, just as I'm dressed now. And do you know what was said to me? Oh, we've got a proper priest. (laughs) Tradition. What people are used to. But God is showing us a new way. So what are the new wineskins? I haven't got the answers. The Pharisees were so bound by their traditions that they failed to see Jesus for who he was. There's a, uh, I came across this, a cookie cutter disciple. Does anyone know what a cookie cutter is? It's one of these pastry cutters. But yeah, it, and it's, it's, the, the phrase means, it's as if it is mass produced. And mass produced discipleship. You know, there are all schemes of discipleship that go about, and we all think ours is the best. It's not. Because theirs is better than ours, but we don't know that. The cookie, uh, but this guy who was, who was in Navigators, who wrote this bit about the cookie cutter discipleship, found himself wanting to follow the writings of the, the, the writer and to follow the Jesus who was making disciples. They worship the writer more than Jesus. And when tradition becomes more important than the meaning of the tradition, we've got problems. So we've got to look out what we do. New wine is fresh. 
And we must remain fresh, and we do that. I would love to put our hands up and say, how, how do we stay fresh? The answer is, we get hold of the book of Bible, we read it, we absorb it, we inwardly digest it, and allow it to become part of us. And then we become fresh. You know, talking with someone, you might just hear something, and we remain fresh, or we become fresh. The Pharisees' faith had become stale and brittle. And Jesus was showing the importance of staying fresh and alive to renew it and pour new wine into it. Curates. I've had several curates in my time. And every one of them taught me something. Something new. Because they came in all fresh with good ideas, lovely ideas, and they challenged me. They said, why are we doing this? What are we doing that for? Why are we doing... And it was good because I, between, for them, it was all new. But when they gave it to me, again, it was all new for me. There were some, horror, there's some horrific tales I can tell you about. But it, basically, it was newness that came to me and kept me fresh. Up, down, in, out. I'll let you work out what that one means. But basically, I think what it means is this. There are some things that we do that we ought to throw out the window. There are other things we do which we should keep. Or there are some things which we hear about which we need to bring in. And it's a diagnostic tool. It helps us to see, to help us guide us in our thinking in lots of ways. With, you know, with, uh, with our home groups, with our uh, church worship and all sorts of things and you know and I'm looking forward is it on Tuesday that the house group leaders meeting is I'm looking forward to that because we're talking about alpha ideas on being flexible one of the things that's important is don't add anything before we cut it or cut something I have seen vicars clergy literally falling apart because what they've done they've seen a good idea here a good idea there and a good idea somewhere else and they said we're going to do that and they don't think in terms of what they can stop before putting it in and they've got so such a busy program that they can't keep up with themselves we've heard all heard of vicars who are chasing their tails this is what happens when people do not think ahead and say we shouldn't be doing that we're going to do this instead that needs the vision map and organization does what we do serve and help us the structures are like a skeleton and we are the muscles and the flesh we put the whole thing into being and being led by the Spirit Spirit of the living God fall afresh on us new wineskins which wineskins should we use and what shape should it be
he told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he'll have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. No one pours new wine into an old wineskin. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new. For he says the old is better. And there's the challenge for us. It really is a challenge. What does God want from us? Which way does he want us to go? Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we think of that passage we heard of so many weeks ago of you clearing a pathway through the desert. We pray that you'll help us to see that path and that you will place our feet upon it so that we might only walk your way. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.